All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 54. I know it's been a little bit, I, I apologize sincerely, but today we got Tom. First of all, how you doing today? Uh, thanks for having me, Derek. I'm excited to be here. I just want to say 54 is a special number to me. I'm happy to be on episode 54. That's uh, the number of my my childhood home. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I'm doing good. Yeah, it's pretty ironic we're doing this. Um, basically, we live near each other uh, for two <laughs> two years, um, freshman year and now junior year. Yeah. So first of all, yeah. So first of all, what kind of got you into production, sports, kind of mm -hmm. everything in that realm? So it might sound kind of funny, but like as a kid, I just was not really into sports at all. Like I, I played some just because like, you know, parents would make me, but as a kid, the only sport I really watched was NASCAR. I was a big NASCAR guy, but um, come high school, like I got into football a lot more just because I played fantasy with my friends. And with that, I got into watching NBA, NHL, all that. And uh, right when COVID hit, actually, my broadcasting teacher in high school came with uh, came to me with an opportunity. They wanted to broadcast all the football games just because people weren't able to attend with like COVID restrictions. So me and my friend were uh, commentators for Hawthorne High School football. We did like probably only like six or seven games, but it it was a fun experience. I liked being on the call. I had already like knew that production, like media production, was what I wanted to do come college. Um, as a kid, I was always making home videos. Uh, I did. I had a few YouTube channels over the years that like didn't really go anywhere, but um yeah kind of in that moment I put two and two together and realized that you know sports broadcasting was uh definitely a viable future for me so going from commentating the game to production how is your mindset different and do you feel like being like having experience as a commentator helps you in terms of production because of what they're looking for and kind of what their mindset is dude I'm not gonna lie like not commentating I'm kind of more relaxed like I, f I feel like people don't realize you obviously know you commentate but like there's a lot that goes into it so um you know not that working in a truck for sports broadcasting is easy by any means but um you know at least you're not like super conscious of every single word that's coming out of your mouth like it's definitely a little more uh I guess relaxed in that sense but you know sports broadcasting as a whole is just a high pace like intense environment so uh to have that experience from an early age doing commentary in high school and being able to you know have those nerves I guess ready uh to be working on you know live broadcast now it kind of translated well yeah I completely agree I feel like for me though like I'm one of those people that's very reactionary and like I like to be on my feet so like the preparation that goes in is like way too much but I feel like once you get into arena once all the, you know, outside noise, everything happens and the game officially starts, that's kind of where, like, I'm locked in, I'm loaded, yeah. I mute my phone, I don't know how you are behind the truck, but, like, throughout an entire broadcast, I do not look at my phone, whether it be through Twitter, whether it be people calling me, call, people texting me, I don't care, I don't, I don't listen to it, and people say, hey, Derek, aren't you a 24-7 person, and I'm like, <laughs> I am, but, like, with when I'm exception. in the mindset, like I can't, I can't get distracted because I feel like you, I think you can attest to this, like being in broadcasting, whether it be production on camera, whatever it is, I feel like you have to live in the moment and kind of the only person that can really think about the outside noise is really the producer at that point to give the on-air talent like, oh, by the way, you know, Josh Allen got traded or, or Joe Burrow got traded or something yeah. like that. Because I feel like that is kind of what their job is, and everybody has to kind of stay in the moment. Yeah, totally. And uh, just want to shout out you for the last volleyball broadcast. You were great, man. Um, the the last set when you like you kind of popped off a little bit when you were like, um, I think it was Claire Lewis. You're like Claire Lewis, have yourself a day. I was like, yeah. damn, man. I'm like, he's killing it. The intro was a little off. Um, obviously technical difficulties happens yeah. in the sports broadcasting world, but at the end of the day, I appreciate it. You know, that's only that's only the first volleyball game, so many more to come. But getting back kind of on track, mm -hmm. we talk about broadcasting, we talk about sports. But could you ever of as a little kid imagined 
you being where you are at this point, you know, being a huge role in production for Marist College Athletics? Uh, no, dude, even like coming in as a, as a senior, like in high school, going into college, like I didn't really anticipate um, being in this position. I got super fortunate. Um, shout out Mike Ferraro. He really uh, assisted me in finding my footing when it came to Marist Athletics. But um, yeah, no, I, I totally didn't expect to be doing what I am right now. And I'm super grateful for the opportunity. Uh, I've gotten to do a few different roles within the Red Fox Network productions, whether it be uh, camera operating, the instant replay, where now mostly I'm on the audio board. But, uh, you know, all three of those, those are super um, valuable roles of production to learn and can be translated to other types of um, productions outside of just sports and, you know, other sports trucks. So uh, I'm super grateful to be able to do what I'm doing right now. And uh, I did not anticipate, you know, getting such hands-on experience um, starting as a sophomore. And kind of, I want to kind of go back a little bit. And mm-hmm. Marist people always kind of want to know. They're always like, everybody tells them, get involved, get involved. But how did you actually make the initiative, get a connection with Ferraro, now being a major role in production? Like, how did that come about? Where was your passion? And kind of like, just talk to me about how did everything kind of come to fruition? Yeah, so uh, media-wise, I mostly just started with MCTV, right, as I got here as a freshman. Um, you know, that's something that a lot of the media production majors are a part of. We do scripted shows, um, and I ended up being elected as the news director, which was super cool as a freshman to have, like, all my peers, you know, kind of trust me in that setting to to lead the show going on. So um, I spent most of my first year doing that, but come my sophomore year, school com you know how they send out those like internship forms every now and again there was one listed for spring um this past spring um with maris athletics so i reached out mike ferrar was the guy i reached out to and you know i went in with them he interviewed me we talked for a little bit and he told me he's like look like i'm looking for someone um more focused on you know journalistic sports reporting and you know you don't really fit that quota but um you know i know the guy in charge of the espn streams let me introduce him and uh, it kind of got rolling from there. So, um, you know, it, it is super important, regardless of what industry you're doing, regardless of whether you, you want to do sports broadcasting or not. It's so important to get involved uh, on your college campus. There's a lot of opportunities from other things that, you know, I wouldn't even, you know, expect to necessarily translate into my field. Like I do a lot of work with admissions here at Marist. Um, that's really helped me get out of my shell. It's helped me find my own voice. And that's something that's not at all associated with sports broadcasting. But you know, those skills that I'm learning from there translate very well over to it. Yeah, I feel like everybody talks about getting involved and I'm all for it, get involved. But like to get involved, it's not just get involved. There's actions that need to be in place. My actions are a little bit different from yours. You just kind of applied to an internship and kind of let things kind of go into fruition a little bit and relied on Ferraro, I would say. <laughs> Mine was kind of like, my advisor is Zach Arth, and shout out to him. I think he's one of the best advisors, one of the best faculty members um, at Marist College. I was like, hey, you know what? Sophomore year, freshman year, I want to get involved, but not just get involved. I want to be a major part in Marist Sports Comp. And that was kind of like freshman, sophomore year. Obviously, I was in MCTV, some of these clubs, and then it was like, okay. Then I obviously we talked to Dan, you know, our boy. Yeah. And all back, shout out Dan. And like, then I was like, okay, center field, Red Fox report now started with Christopher, Christopher Rivietzo. Like then everything started to come into fruition, but in the back burn, I'm still thinking about broadcasting. So like what I would recommend to anybody who's either wanting to go broadcasting, wanting to go um, sports side, whatever it is, number one thing you should do is communicate with your advisor, because even though your advisor might not know everything, they know who to send it to. That's what I would recommend. Anytime there's an internship thing out there, like even though like I'm pretty set in stone on what I want to do and figure out the internships, look at them. Look at every single one, see what you like. They have a brief description of everyone. And then even after that description, there's still more qualifications and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, see what you're passionate about. The, early, the earlier you can find what you want to do in life, because sports communication is very broad. Um, once you figure out which side you want to go, go for it. You got to go all in. I think, yes, dabble a little bit. Like, yeah, I dabble in writing. I dabble in 
you know, other things, production, stuff like that. Once you find your footing, it's all, it's all aboard the train and you got to go right to it. Um, kind of moving on in that path. What yeah. would you say to kind of the younger person, the younger you freshman coming in, what do you wish you would have done either sooner or something that you wish that people could just learn from your experiences? I mean, definitely like you're saying, the importance of communicating with those who may know other people, the the importance of networking is something that, um, you know, everyone understands it, but I don't think everyone understands how to necessarily pursue it. It's something I'm still learning myself. Uh, often, like, I think it's a little intimidating to reach out to this person who's, you know, at a point in their career that you wish to be where, you know, working for a company you wish to be at. It's kind of intimidating to reach out and be like, hey, do you know of any opportunities? But, you know, it, it's so important to, to you know, take that leap because literally the worst they could say is no. You know what I mean? You can reach out to someone and they'll be like, no, sorry, but, you know, nothing bad is going to come from just trying to meet other people in the industry and learning from their experiences and using that to help you know, age yourself. I'd also say that um, it's really important regardless of sports broadcasting or just uh, media production in general to just do as much work as possible. Like the the more uh, work you could show for yourself, the more you could add to a real work portfolio, the better. Um, so really any opportunity to get in front of the camera, operate the camera, do audio, whatever it is, I, I recommend hopping on that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is LinkedIn has kind of been the biggest provider um, for me, just in terms of figuring out like resume wise, connecting with people. And like, you might be afraid to reach out at certain points, but here's what I say, like, I'm not the greatest writer and I, and I understand that. What I always do is I write my little blurb out and I always make sure to put my phone number and my email at the bottom of the page, no matter how I contacted them, because guess what? That connection that you just sent an email out to, let's say five, 10 years down the road, they're like, oh, I remember this guy asking me about broadcasting opportunities and stuff like that. They're like, oh, we got an opportunity at, you know, so-and-so college. They might send you that back. So that I feel like just making sure that you're in constant, not even constant contact with someone, but like once you make a connection, I feel like at some point you don't want to just be like, hey, I'm looking for a job. I feel like you kind of want to, keep that relationship going a little bit. Obviously that's difficult with time because you're going to figure out like, Oh, what do I say to them? Just check in and be like, Hey, how you doing? Everything's going good my way. I really appreciate you. Uh, you know, whatever they did for you kind of thing. Moving back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Would you say the significance of what you do um, is on your life? Like production, like, obviously, like, I feel like personally, like, sports for me are kind of my brand like my brand is sports like what would you say your brand in brand is and how would it impact you yeah I mean it's definitely you know a way of life this is what I want to be doing for you know the next 30 40 years like when it comes to my career so it is super impactful in my day-to-day -day life um as I mentioned before like I wasn't super into sports like you know as a kid but now like it's pretty much all I consume, you know what I mean? Rather, like, whether it's me working it or, you know, in leisure time, I'm watching, you know, the NFL slate for of Sunday games or I'm watching uh, the Devils play or I'm watching, like, a sports documentary. Like, uh, it, it kind of is an all-encompassing, you know, kind of aspect of my life. Like, it, it finds its way into everything. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to just pick one thing and be like, that is my brand. But, uh, you know, it's certainly a part of who I am and what I'll be doing. Um, I, I'm sure that would be included, you know, in my own personal brand, sports. Do you feel like you look at production differently now being in it instead of just kind of watching it? Um, at least for me, like watching sports. Now I feel like I can't really watch sports as a fan. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Obviously, like I still have my, you know, sports fandom, but I feel like I'm less of a fan than I was previously because I'm in the field. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, I, I noticed some things now where like, uh, you know, if I'm watching a game with my dad, I'll be like, oh, they pre-recorded that cold open. That's not live. Um, like kind of little stuff like that. Or if there's like a weird graphics bug, you kind of like, oh, I, I could assume what went wrong in the truck based on like my experience. But um, for me, like when I'm watching sports, it's always kind of been like an escapism media um which is 
you know, no, I don't mean that in, in any bad way. I, I like it in that role in my life where, um, you know, for three hours, I could just unwind and uh, just enjoy whatever sport is being played with my friends. Um, but what you're saying with sports is definitely how I feel about, you know, film. Um, I am a media production major. There's a focus on film within that. Um, I've taken multiple film theory courses. So now, like, you know, watching just a stupid comedy with my friends, there's things I notice where I'm like, oh, like, why why they edit like that? Like, that's a weird choice. So uh, I get what you're saying. I just, um, I don't know, sports wise, it, it hasn't reached that yet for me, I guess. Yeah, I feel like it takes time. Um, but I, I like how like your mindset on film is definitely different than the average kind of viewer. But we talk about film, we talk about production, we talk about sports broadcasting. At the end of the day, you've kind of dabbled your toe in kind of everything. 10 years from now, 15 years from now, what is your ideal position? Ideally, I'd be, you know, either on the truck for a local um, channel that's broadcasting NHL or one of the, the national ones that travel to, you know, the premier games. But so, uh, would you, I, so would you say, um, like, would you say you have a specific location in mind that you kind of want to be at? Because like, let's be honest, sports, film, there's a lot of travel involved. And I know you're going to go into that a little bit more. But mm -hmm. like, would you say like, I want to stay in the Northeast. I want to be on the West Coast. Like, would you say that you have any preference in terms of location? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a preference, but, you know, it, it's kind of just hoping. Um, obviously, like, if I had the choice of anything, I'd work for MSG and just do all the Devils games because that's my team. But I, I would like to stay, you know, on the Northeast at least. I'm open to to relocating where, where it requires as long as it's not like, you know, like Kansas or like some like middle nowhere type place. But thankfully, the sports markets we have in North America, I don't really have to worry about that too much. Yeah, see, I'm completely different. I could not care less. I would go to Kansas. I would go yeah. to Idaho. Like I'm thinking first job out of college. This might sound crazy to some of the viewers. I would live in Boise, Idaho. <laughs> that is kind of where I'm or Wyoming, either yeah. way. That's kind of where I'm thinking at this point. Just try something new. I feel like that's kind of what you got to do in life. Moving on just a little bit. What would you say is one thing that you don't think the viewer would know about you? That's kind of like an interesting fun fact. Okay. Uh, that's an interesting question for sure. I just want to circle back real quick to what you said about, you know, Boise and Wyoming. I think that is pretty interesting since sports broadcasting is such like a stressful and like, you know, busy industry. And then you contrast that with living like, in a pretty quiet, like sparsely populated state. So maybe, maybe that does work out pretty well. You know what I mean? Like at least you leave work and then you get to, you know, calm down a little bit with the scenery. So, um, you know, more power to you if you could do that. But um, fact about myself that they may not know. Um, um, I'm a big musical guy, which is kind of, I guess, something that I, I don't stay too much. Like I did multiple plays when I was in high school. Some of my favorite movies are musicals. I have La La Land, like the poster right behind me. So um, with Maris, when they do the trips, they usually try to go to a couple shows per year. Uh, I don't even know why. It, it just kind of is something that just developed. I don't like, I don't even necessarily care for the music all that much, but just the viewing experience, like, I don't know. I, I'm a big musical guy in general. I listen to a lot of different bands. I like going to concerts. So I, I guess there's some kind of overlap from there, but. I don't know if people would necessarily expect that based on, you know, what else I present myself with and what I'm, uh, I occupy myself with. And I'm going to switch it over to like, kind of like an interview section. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think that you bring to the table? Like in terms of whether it be production, film, whatever that other people don't like what separates you apart from others? Yeah. I mean, I think I got two things going for me. One, just being experienced, like, uh, a lot of other undergraduate students within our field haven't been able to do as much as me and you have. Uh, they haven't been a part of a live environment like me and you have. So I think that definitely sets, you know, people like us ahead of some of the other people coming out of college. Uh, additionally, I, I always say this on, you know, interviews and um, when I'm talking to people, but I think the ability and willingness to learn is something that really goes well in my favor. I think a lot of people will walk into situations and feel like they need to know everything in that moment and they'll be scared to ask questions because of that. 
but I don't really have that fear. I don't mind asking a question, even if it is something that might be, you know, a little basic, might be a little awkward to ask, because I want to get the job done to the best of my ability. You know what I mean? If if that's what's standing in the way, just asking a, a semi-inconvenient question, I don't mind doing it. So I, I think my willingness to learn um, and, you know, seeing the growth within the experience that I've had, I think that are, those are both two things that, you know, bode well for me. Yeah, I feel like after kind of experience, I feel like now I've kind of learned, like, not that I've been shy in any imaginations, but I never want to be the guy who asks the dumb question. I feel like now, like, asking a dumb question might be the right question. Yeah. Because it's not about, it's not about what others think. It's about what you think. I think the biggest thing about jobs in general is to have tunnel, like, to have literal tunnel vision and not worry about what other people are doing, which I think is why so many people are successful like because if you're worrying about other other people especially being an overthinker myself like that's just not gonna bode well for me but last question for kind of like the interview section mm -hmm. what do you like most about yourself um i i guess it's just you know my my work ethic i keep myself on a very busy schedule um i always manage to get everything done it's something that i've been fortunate to develop through the years of just you know academics and extracurriculars but um you know here at maris i've already talked about my film studies my work with the missions my work with sportscom i also interned for north road communications i have my own podcast like i find ways to keep myself occupied at all times and um you know sometimes i kind of impress myself a little bit when i manage to get um you know everything completed on time or uh, i complete something a little you know, better than I thought it would be, whether it's a, you know, paper or uh, one of my podcast episodes, whatever it may be. So uh, I, I'd go with that. I, I like, I like my, you know, schedule and how I make it work. Yeah, um, I can echo that. I feel like time management at the end of the day is the biggest thing in college. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with it. Luckily, I have never struggled with it. I have been great at time managing. I don't think I've ever turned an assignment late, like ever. Um, my Ooh, only you problem be, with you beat me there, <laughs> dude. I don't think I have, and if I have, it was like a last minute like assignment that I just forgot, like because everything everybody has like mishaps. I would say the only thing time management that I might have an issue with is setting an alarm in the morning. Um, luckily I got into my class today early. Uh, luckily, because I did not set an alarm and I woke up and I was about to have a heart attack when I looked at the alarm and I still had two hours left and I was like, I might go back to sleep. But luckily, I made sure to check to see if I had an alarm. I yeah. didn't. So I just stayed right <laughs> up. So that's kind of my biggest issue. Um, That's all the time. That's all we have for part one. We're going to be talking about sports, all different topics. I love part two of Derek's discussions because it's a lot more conversational and that's what we'll be heading to next starting off with hockey connor bedard what a guy indeed dude i'm i'm on the hype train like it's about time the nhl had a player like this that uh everyone could get excited about unanimously his, his debut was pretty good you know he had a nice assist um you know two nights ago but i had the bruins blackhawks game on last night actually during the uh, men's soccer broadcast. I was paying a little attention to both. Um, and I saw his wraparound and I, I had to try not to pop off because I, I got super excited in that moment. It's it's cool to see, uh, you know, any any kid like that get their first career goal. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be special. This season, I think, is going to have some uh, trials for him. I mean, Taylor Hall went down in that game last night and that's probably the most help he had uh on that offense they're really not looking that great um outside of that top line so you know we'll see i'm hopeful for them they uh they pulled out a surprise win um uh, during their first game so who knows what the season holds goaltending uh is always uh, an issue especially with them in the last couple of years so um you know i wouldn't pick them to do much else besides surprises every now and again uh, but I'm excited to see what stat line Bedard uh, ends up carving out for himself this season. Do you have any predictions for uh, the amount of goals? 
I feel like Bedard is going to win rookie of the year. Um, oh, I know that's, sure. I don't, I know that's not a hot take. Um, I feel like he's going to win the rookie of the year. The Blackhawks though, I feel like that's the team. Like I'm not a huge hockey guy. I'll be honest with you. Like I'm kind of like a uh, playoff type of guy. So like I'll root yeah. for the, I'll root for the Penguins and the Rangers once in a while. I know that's a weird combination, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is, but I feel like the Blackhawks are the one team that I did not want Bedard to go to. Oh, he's no, an 18, man. he's an 18 year old and he's going to the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know what's with me, but I've never been a huge fan of Chicago teams to begin with him going to the Blackhawks to me is terrible. Um, But I want to know, do you think it's a slam dunk that he is going to be maybe not hall of famer, maybe hall of famer, but to the level of a Sidney Crosby, like, are we going to be talking about Connor Bedard? Like every year in the top five conversation, I don't think he's going to win MVP this year. No, be- yeah. based on the circumstances and everything around that. But do you think he'll be a top five MVP candidate like every single season, as long as he stays healthy? I think he's going to be an Austin Matthews type guy where, um, you know, I'm not sure if that team is ever going to be a true Stanley Cup contender, but, you know, year in and year out, he's going to be an MVP candidate. He's always going to lead the po- be close to leading the league in goals and assists and total points. So, um, yeah, I got I got lofty expectations for him. I think he could be a Hall of Famer very well. Even, uh, even if he doesn't win a cup, I think he could still get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he just has that raw, um, you know, skill set that you don't find in too many other guys. If anyone were to challenge him for the Calder this year, though, I think it would be my guy, Luke Hughes. Um, it's his first year. He's going to be the best rookie defenseman, in my opinion. Um, he's got a lot of offensive upside. Um, obviously not like Bedard does, but uh, he, he's proven Luke Hughes. He, he played the Rangers series uh, in the playoffs last year. Um, literally is like third, fourth, fifth career games. Uh, not only did he find his way onto the score sheet, um, but he also, you know, held his own defensively, paired up very well. Uh, I think they had him mostly playing with Marina those games, but so that that's my dark horse Calder uh, pick. If anyone were to challenge for rookie of the year, it'd be Luke Hughes. But uh, now I'm super excited about Connor Bedard. I agree with what you said though about the whole um, out of every team, Chicago. I I was rooting for Anaheim in the lottery. Uh, you know, Chicago just had Patrick Kane for the last one. 13, 14 years, yeah. and they're rewarded immediately with another generational superstar. It, it, it's just not fucking fair. <laughs> it's it's not fair, number one. And, like, when you're talking about a rebuild, like, I know this might sound crazy, and this is probably not what people would do in hockey, but if I'm the Blackhawks, I know. I know Bedard. He's the guy. He's going to be a Hall – he's – not a slam dunk, but he's most likely on his trajectory for a Hall of Fame, even though he's still a rookie and has not played a lot of games. Yeah. But I low-key might be thinking about trading that. I might have thought about trading that number one overall pick to get young pieces because at the end of the day, the goal is not to have an MVP candidate every year. The goal is to win a Stanley Cup. Are you going to win a Stanley Cup with Connor Bedard and the rest of the crew? They got to make yeah. some major moves um to surround him and I think the biggest thing is why I don't like him on the Blackhawks is there's no pieces around him um as a young superstar I feel like the biggest thing and all this is not just hockey this is all sports this is the quarterback position in the NFL this is everything if you have a good young superstar as a rookie or young that is the time to win because then you can put all the pieces around them because they're on their rookie contract and guess what? They're going to waste that rookie contract. And who knows if they'll even make the playoffs during his rookie contract. Personally, might be a hot take, might not be a hot take. I don't think the Blackhawks are going to win and win, make the playoffs in Connor Bedard's rookie contract. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. They're going to be using most of his rookie contract to build up that team. Uh, I, I see, you know, even though they added Connor Bedard, he's immediately the, the first option in their offense. Uh, they're still going to be having some lottery picks probably over the next season or two. Um, and I guess that's kind of where the NHL kind of differentiates from the NBA. Um, even if you're not necessarily like, you know, pick one, two, or three, like the guys you're drafting the first round, second round, they're still really uh, important. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I would move out of that that number one spot from 
Bedard, especially like, I mean, I'm not sure if I trade the number one in general, but especially this year with Bedard being, you know, almost as sure as a prospect as you can get. Uh, I don't blame the Blackhawks for not moving, but it would be very interesting to see what kind of packages they would have been offered. Yeah, I just feel like that's kind of a situation where you trade down. I understand Bedard, but I feel like if you have a guy like like a Bedard, like do you really want him to go into your system? And I feel like maybe it's kind of selfish on their part, I guess, that you want Bedard, you're going to go with Bedard and see what happens. But I feel like to win in, in hockey, it's not about one guy. It's It's more of a team sport than other sports, I feel like. And I feel like the depth in hockey is much more important than other sports because line one, line two, line three, you got switches like crazy. So I feel like that's a huge part of hockey that is kind of under the rug of, yeah, you got your superstar, but if your superstar gets hurt in hockey, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Um, I feel like you need a lot more depth and a lot more pieces in hockey than other sports. So that's kind of why I would have possibly traded down. I know that's a hot take. But I feel like for the future of the entire organization, it might have been a better spot to go in just because why not? Because think, you need more pieces. It's not one guy. There's a lot more pieces to fill. And do you really want to go out there and get a Bedard? Okay, then next year you get another piece. Then the next year you get another piece. Then the next year you get another piece. Like it's going to take you, isn't like we mentioned, taking his entire rookie contract. Do you really want to use up that rookie contract on building a team? I don't, I'm not so sure you really want to do that. I feel like you want, I feel like you want a faster rebuild. And I feel like trading down and getting two pieces is a faster rebuild than getting one guy every year. And that one guy's a slam dunk. Yeah. I think you'll see though, with, you know, having Connor Bedard, I think a lot of free agents are going to be uh, prioritizing Chicago when they come calling. Um, obviously free agency works a little differently in the NHL than what you see in basketball. You don't really see star players demanding to be moved quite the way you see like, you know, Dame this past off season. Um, but I, I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, solid veteran guys who see their opportunity to contend with this young guy. And I think they might be willing to sign out. I mean, you even see that now, like Corey Perry, uh, probably his last or second of the last season and he chose to play in Chicago. So It'll be interesting to see, you know, what um, veterans and what, what other depth pieces kind of form around Bedard in the coming year or two. So let's say, let's just do a hypothetical here because I, I love hypotheticals. Yeah. Connor Bedard continues to be with the Blackhawks for, let's just say, his entire rookie contract. Obviously, they're going to try to resign him. And let's say they, they do what we're talking about. They do, they go out there and sign some pieces, but nothing that can get them to the playoffs. So the first five years, he's stuck with the Blackhawks, and they don't make the playoffs. If you're him, are you just signing that contract, knowing that now we're going to contend, but you're not completely sure based on the pieces? Or would you rather be like, yeah, nah, nah, I'm going elsewhere? Because I feel like that's a scenario where – it could bite the Blackhawks in the ass as Connor Bedard goes to a different team because he's fed up with losing the first four or five years of his you know, hockey career. Yeah, it's a move we could see happen for sure down the line. Um, it's not a move that's super common, which is, I think, what would ease the, the Blackhawks organization a little bit. Um, obviously, we don't know what kind of talks they've had. Clearly, they must, beyond his hockey skill, they must believe in him you know, for his personal, um, you know, characteristics and stuff like that. So um, it's something that you got to keep in the back of your mind. I think the one thing, though, um, which might add a little weight to what you're saying, is that the NHL cap is increasing year to year. They're probably going to raise it. I believe the ball, like, it's probably going to be raised about, like, $1.5 to $2 million next season. So, you know, that that's a solid third-line guy right there that you're paying for. So with – you know who else? Who knows what the salary cap will be in five years? Maybe, uh, maybe teams will be able to afford both a a Bedard and like a like a Jack Hughes type guy, or like a uh Elias Patterson type guy, where you got superstar A and superstar B. Mm-hmm. Now moving on to your Devils. Your yeah, Devils. <laughs> I've snuck them in a few times already, but yeah, well, we're gonna talk more about the Devils. Jack yeah. Hughes, 
obviously the guy. Most of the time in hockey, the center is basically the best position um, on pretty much everybody's team. But you look at his team. What are your question marks? What What do you think is good? What do you what What do you think first? Let's start on what do you think needs to improve? Like in the off season, are you upset about anything for the Devils? Or is there anything that you really aggravated first about the Devils? Or are you pretty clean cut with everything? The the one thing that was most disappointing this off season was seeing our um, second overall pick from um, two years ago, Simon Nemich, not make the opening night night roster. He was the last player cut admittedly before, you know, they set the 23 man roster. Um, but I think at this point, you know, I liked what I saw in camp. Uh, I believe in him as a, as a player. And if you look at the other, you know, our, our bottom two pair, we have Brendan Smith playing who um, through 70 games last season, didn't record a single goal and also logged more penalty minutes than anyone else on the team. Like, I, I don't believe Brendan Smith has any reason to be starting over Simon Nemich, and it makes me worried about what the Devils organization must think of him then if they're, you know, sending him back down to the AHL. That was my main uh, grievance with the offseason, I'd say. How many years has he been in um the Devils system? This is year two. Year, year two, two. So maybe, yeah. I know baseball, they usually take a lot longer, so maybe they're trying to go slow with him in yeah. terms of development and they feel like Brendan Smith is kind of the stopgap to that and they don't want to rush him. That'd be my only thing that I might might say they might try to do. But what is your what is your overall viewpoint on the Devils? Is it Stanley Cup or bust? Is it let's make the playoffs and let's make a run? Is it okay, we got some young pieces, let's continue this going and see what we can do. It's Stanley Cup time definitely, but I wouldn't even use the word bust. They're they're window is wide open right now we have almost all of our star players extended on pretty team friendly deals the highlight of which is jack hughes for eight years eight million eight a years complete, eight million yeah a complete finesse that's his contract yeah when did he sign this he signed this um november 2021 yeah oh so probably when he was a lot younger okay I see. yeah i mean he's still he, he's 22 right now so he, he signed at age 20. Um, he's going to be with us through 20, well, if it's eight years. 20, I know I know it expires. It expires 2027. So I must have the wrong year then that he signed it. But uh, 2027, like 20, his contract yeah, expires. Yeah, so you still got him for at least four more years. Yeah, we, we got him for some time. Um, so, you know, to have that. And we also just signed Timo Meyer, Jesper Bratt to um, – eight-year deals as well there's just started this year Segan Holler took a pay cut to pay the other guys which is nice of them Nico's on the team our captain for another three years like you got pretty much everyone there Luke Hughes is playing on a rookie contract um we already you know won a playoff series last year with very minimal playoff experience on the roster so uh it's Stanley Cup this year but if they don't win it they got another realistically three four years straight of contending for it so after making the playoffs last year do you feel like because making the playoffs to winning the stanley cup is kind of a big is kind of a big difference so Mm -hmm. do you think making the playoff do you think that they're able to make the jump from making the playoffs last year to winning the stanley cup or do you or would you take it as more of a realistic approach as we made the playoffs last year Let's win one or two games in the playoffs and let's see if we can get to the Stanley Cup. But if we don't get to the Stanley Cup, I'm not too upset because our core is still there. My my realistic prediction is that they're gonna make it to the, you know, the conference finals and they'll probably lose before making it to the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, in any sport, it's a like playoff experience is very important, but more so than any sport in hockey is it important to have playoff experience. Uh they brought in Andre Palat for that reason won two cups in Tampa he's a great leader when it comes to that the whole squad got at least you know a series and a half worth of experience last year um so I I know they'll be able to win um a series or two again this year but you know when you're when you're facing off against some of the other teams Pittsburgh got a lot stronger this year this is probably their last hurrah with you know Sydney on the team um the Rangers brought in a new coach and they have a lot of offensive talent as well Carolina is another contender. 
Maple Leafs are always in the conversation. You got a lot of other teams who are used to, you know, kind of having that winning culture. Jersey has kind of just gotten back on the, the table with that. We we sucked for the last decade. So um, I, I think that will, you know, go go a ways. You know what I mean? It'll definitely impact how, how they uh, perform. But um, if they don't make the Stanley Cup, I'm going to be disappointed from a fan's perspective. But from an objective standpoint, I don't think there's really any reason to hang your head. You know what I mean? We, we were projected to be in a rebuild still at this time. We are far ahead of that. So, Yeah, definitely good to see for the Devils. But before we move on from hockey, how long um, is the rookie contract? It depends on what they do in the, NA, uh, in the AHL or NCAA. Um, so if you come right out of the – like if you get drafted and you go right to the league, it's three years. But for some of these other players, like, for example, Luke Hughes, he spent two seasons at Michigan. He has to resign, uh, I believe, next season. So it's three years total. No yeah. mat- like it's three years total and and counting counting college. Yeah, no matter what league you're playing in, uh, it's it's three years total usually. That's that's not a lot. So Connor no. Bedard only with the uh Blackhawks for three years, and then he's got to get his contract. So definitely interesting to see what happens in hockey. Three years. That's 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 that's. That's yeah. little, not a lot of wiggle room for a lot of NHL franchises. Yeah, and you figure one of those years is already shot. We know nothing's going to happen this year, so we'll we'll see. You know, never know. All right. After hockey, we move to the Giants. Well, we move to the NFL. Spoiler alert: I said the Giants. <laughs> yeah. I saw your banner. I saw your banner, and it got me a little flustered. First, Giants. I'm going to actually have you go to the floor about your little rant because I think mine will probably be um, a little bit longer. Yeah, and I, I think you'll probably have a little more passion to it, which uh, I, I appreciate. But um, holy – oh, my God. It's it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, it, it just doesn't even really make that much sense from looking at the roster. I mean, I know our defense kind of lost some key players during the offseason. Losing Julian Love definitely sucked. And we got, you know, two – uh, very inexperienced corners in there, but uh, I thought the O-lineman worries were, were past us. We had a, a, you know, a somewhat fine line last year, and uh, it's like the only story really you could take away is that the O-line is just atrocious. Evan Neal should not be on an NFL field. Um, you know, it, it seemed like a very sure pick when we took him, which is what annoys me so much about it. Um, but he, he's proven at this point that it, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? I feel like every week I'm scrolling on Instagram and I'm watching some highlight of a uh, defensive lineman just running right around Evan Neal and him not even fucking noticing that it happened. Uh, it's insane. I, I feel bad for Dable because I, I don't know. I believe in him. I'm not going to lie. It might be like a little personal bias. He lives one town over from me and he frequently came to the grocery store I, I work at. So like I've talked to him before. I've met him. Uh, and I like him for that reason. So maybe that's part of the reason why I'm like, I'm quick to just excuse him. But I mean, you, you don't go from turning the giants into a 10 and six winning a playoff game to what we're, we're one and four right now. And we, we may win three games on the season total. It, it's insane. It's insane. I agree with some of your points and I completely disagree with others. First, Let's start out. The Giants made the playoffs last year. The Giants were three years above schedule. The Giants were not supposed to make the playoffs last year. They weren't supposed to make the playoffs this year, and they were supposed to make the playoffs last year. That's what gave us Giants fans false hope. And you know what I hate the most? I hate false hope. If the Yankees, for me, false hope every freaking year false hope i'm sick and tired of it every one of my sports teams right now stink stink (laughs) they all stink they're not terrible terrible but they're all not hitting the ceiling of my expectations first giants one and four like low-key like i'm not too too mad as other giants fans would be the cowboys lost pathetic unexcusable disastrous that's a game we should have been competitive Cardinals game, people are like, oh my God, you guys barely won. 
I'm excited. It showed fought and grit in that game that we won yeah. that football game after being down. The 49ers, like I know we lost 30 to 30 to 12. I'm not too upset. I thought we probably could have scored like maybe one more touchdown. We would have um, lost the, that game regardless. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel right. like I feel like it could have been a little bit closer, but I feel like we still played okay. Not great, but okay. The Seahawks game, man, I'm just not okay with it. 24 to 13. That's pathetic, unexcusable. There was no life on this team. The Dolphins game, that I like that Dolphins game. 31-16. You lose by 15 points. And you can call me nuts. You can call me psychotic. I don't care. You go up against the Dolphins and you only allow them to have 31 points. Not bad defense. Two at picks. Offense wasn't working, but like that's that's beside the point. Look, you look at this team, and let me tell you, you look at this team, Graham Gano having a bad year. Jamie Gill- Gillian, he's all right. He's not great. He's okay. Yeah. Um, But this defense, I tell you what, is the definition of mediocre. Mediocre. Name one superstar on this defense. I can't. Everybody loves to say that, you know, we got our star cornerback and um the rookie. I'm having a blank right Banks. now. Banks, Deontay Banks. He's good. He's good. He's not he's not elite by any stretch of yeah. the imaginations. Odori Jackson has taken a major step back. I he I thought last year he was probably like a one B, one C type of guy, more of a two. This year he's looking like a two or three. It's not a good start to the season. Xavier McKinney, I've never been high on him at safety. He needs to shut his mouth and play some football. Julian Love, I might be the biggest lover of Julian Love. Losing him, everybody's like, oh, he wasn't fast. Oh, he had this. But guess what? Have you seen the Giants defense? They can't tackle anybody. Every single game last year, maybe I'm missing a couple, Julian Love was the leading tackler. Leading tackler. Terrible. Linebacker yeah. core needs help. Big time. Kayvon Thibodeau, to me, he's a he's a disappointment. I think he's starting to come alive a little bit this year, but I think he's still a disappointment. I expect a little bit more out of him. Defensive line. Like I'm so sick and tired of it. Trade Leonard Williams at this point. He's made way he's making way too much money for mediocre football. Dexter Lawrence, he's a good run stuffer, but he cannot rush the quarterback. We need another edge rusher. That's the biggest thing. Now, you talk about Evan Neal. And let me talk yeah. about Evan Neal. Right tackle, that's not his position. He should be the right guard. Evan Neal is an offensive lineman. He should be playing at guard. But this is I I am a little bit more confident in this Gi- Giants offensive line than you yeah. and many others. Andrew Thomas went healthy as our left tackle. We signed him long term. I like that. Yeah, left I, guard, I love Andrew Thomas. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Left guard question mark. I think that's a major question mark. Center. I know he's been hurt. John Michael Schmitz. I love that guy. I think he's going to be a fantastic center. Right guard, I think you put Evan Neal at left at left guard or right guard, whichever position he feels more comfortable at, and then right tackles is a question mark. So when you look at that in a whole, that's three-fifths of the offensive lineman that I trust. And guess what? That's not even mentioning, I think, the biggest move this season so far that they've made. They added Justin Pugh to the practice squad. Yeah, Bring him yeah. up immediately. Have him start at left guard. Have him start at right guard. I don't care. He should be starting on this offensive line. I think that offensive line, as is, if you make those adjustments, it's okay. Like, it's not bad. I think the Giants need one more, one or two more offensive linemen, and then you're talking about an offensive lineman, offensive line that I can actually trust. Wide receivers, I've said it time and time again, it's mediocre. There's no number one. Darren Waller, in my opinion, has been meh at best. I thought he everybody was hyping him up like he was going to be Travis Kelsey on the Giants, and he's just not that guy. He's a he's a good tight end, but he's not elite. And let me tell you, 
This running back core, absolute trash. Gary Brightwell, terrible. Eric Gray, terrible. Saquon, can you still stay healthy for once in your life? Please. <laughs> I love Saquon, but please stay healthy. And Matt Breida, I'll take it. He's a good backup running back, but he's more yeah, of a third down. Bad. He's more of a third down back. And let me tell you what, Tyrod Taylor, that is my backup quarterback. I understand you can say all you want about him. He's experienced. I think he's the great. I think he's a perfect for for the backup quarterback role. Daniel Jones. Yeah. Daniel Jones now. I'll have you talk about Daniel Jones because I, I think that our opinion might be a little bit different on Daniel Jones, to be honest with you. What do you was, think of Daniel Jones so far this season? I was going to ask a question related about Daniel Jones, but I'll talk about him first. Um, Yeah, that contract did not age well. Um, I mean, I know, I know there's a lot of circumstances going around uh, the team. Uh, what you were saying about Justin Pugh, I totally echo that. When we got guys like Shane Lemieux starting on the line, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> we got fucking Shane Lemieux starting on the line, uh, and you got Justin Pugh on your practice squad. I think, I think you're managing it wrong. I think there's some changes that could be made there. So, um, I think it's gonna take time just because they just added him. They want to have him like actually, you know, get ready. Yeah. Um. So I think he, I think he'll be up in like a week. I I understand why he's on the practice squad right now. It's just gonna take him some time, but like. It's just very aggravating at this point. The one thing about the offense that I may disagree a bit about is uh, Darren Waller. I think if you look, you know, Daniel Jones really isn't passing for that much in the game. If you look at Darren Waller's share of the yards in comparison to what Daniel Jones is throwing, I think he's doing pretty good for what's being handed to him at the moment. So I'm not too uh, worried about him, but yeah, I'm almost ready to hit the panic button on Daniel Jones. Um, it, it's not pretty. He, he doesn't inspire much. I know he doesn't have much time in the pocket to look down the field. But, I mean, even now when he does have time, I feel like he's so conditioned to get the ball out of his hand immediately that he's making bad plays. And that might, like, you know, yips like that, it's kind of hard to unteach. I get that. I understand. Um, Dale Jones, you look at every other team at quarterback and they might have, they have bad offensive lines. I'm not going to tell you that we have the worst offensive line and we're the only team that has a bad offensive line. Other teams do, but they have a quarterback who's mobile and who's mobile and can throw it out of the, out of the pocket and create Dale Jones to me. I get it. He can run. Yeah. He's got mobility. He's faster than expected, but let me tell you, he's not the greatest quarterback. People telling me that Daniel Jones is the worst quarterback in the league. I want to punch their face. Daniel Jones is not, is not the worst quarterback in the league. Probably last year, after last season, you could argue that Daniel Jones was a top 10 quarterback. Personally, I think he was in the range from 10 to 15. Now, with that said, 10 to 15 last year, where has he gone? He's gone backwards instead of forwards. He's now in that 15 to 25 range, give or take. I'd say it probably if I were to like not like not rumble off the top top quarterbacks right now, I would probably say Daniel Jones is my 20th, 18 to 20 in that range, 18 to 20 in that mm-hmm. quarterback range. Um, I'm not high on Daniel Jones. I don't love Daniel Jones, but I don't hate Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is not the problem right now. Um, people telling me that we should tank for Caleb Williams, that's stupid. Guess what Caleb Williams is going to be doing? Nothing. If you put Caleb Williams on this team right now, how many more wins are we going to have? I don't I don't see more wins yeah. than what Daniel Jones has produced for this football team. Um however, I I disagree completely. I think this contract was not good. It's not a good contract, but the way they structured it, I love. You're talking about 4 years for 160. You look at the market, forty mil- I, I did not want to pay him $40 million, and I will say that time and time again. How the market panned out, you had to do it. I love, though, first year, second year, you're talking about the cap hits. I have Daniel Jones play this year. I have him play next year. Depending on what we do next year, you can move on from him. Personally, this is I, I've said it so many times, and people call me crazy for saying this. Daniel Jones year this year. I think we're not making the playoffs, but I think we're like low key. I think we win seven wins this year. 
I think yeah. we get I think we get six, <laughs> seven wins. I'm a I'm an energetic guy and I I believe in my New York football giants. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I said it. The New York football giants. We're gonna have six to seven wins this year, which means we missed the playoffs, but we're definitely gonna be probably in that 10 to 15 spot um in the draft. Maybe a guy falls, maybe we go defense, maybe we go Brock Bowers if we don't believe in Darren Waller. I would trade Leonard Williams, maybe trade Darren Waller, guys that you might trade here and there. But I think we're in a good spot there. So you get a piece, don't get a quarterback, because I know there's a lot of quarterbacks on the board, but I, I don't go quarterback. I trust Daniel Jones for, for year three under Dayball. I think that year we make the playoffs. I think we make the playoffs after a down year. I think we're nine, ten wins back to where we started because we had seven wins, so we're probably like third in the division. So a little bit easier uh, schedule this year. Schedule is terrible. It's really tough. Um, yeah. So I think we have an easier schedule next year um, based on how we finish. And then I think we make the playoffs, have nine wins. And then I think that third year of this third out of four years is where you start to th- see some things unravel. I think that's where you see Daniel Jones start to not play as well as we were hoping for. I think that's where you see the running back, Saquon Barkley, probably not no longer with the team. Um, I think you see some mishaps in the defense. They sign some guys that don't work out. Um, they're trying to figure out contracts for the rookies. That's the year the Giants fall off a cliff. And I'm not trying to say that I want them to fall off a cliff by the any stress and imaginations. That's just not a sports fan. Fall off the cliff. Giants get a top five pick. Or maybe they don't get a top five pick. Maybe they get a pick who's five to ten. But trade up in the draft, get the quarterback that I've wanted year in and year out. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, um, but I'm going with my guy, Captain Arch Manning. I'm going Arch Arch Manning Manning is the quarterback of the future for the New York Giants. And that's what I'm going with because I don't want Caleb Williams. I think he has Baker Mayfield written all over him. Drake May would be the quarterback that I go with, but at this point in time, the Giants need a quarterback who's more mobile. So I think that's kind of my opinion on the Giants um, in a nutshell. But I, I'm I'm an optimistic Giants fan compared to many. I think six to seven wins is realistic. You look at the schedule – I think it's possible. I really do. I don't think it's as tough of a schedule um, as advertised. I think they can get it done. I trust Daniel Jones at the end of the season once Andrew Thomas gets back. Saquon Barkley's coming back. I I think if they make some changes here and there, I think that's the way to go. I think the Giants have a bright future ahead of them this year compared – not this year meaning they're making the playoffs, but a bright future compared to uh, what's happened so far this season. Yeah, I'm glad you're a lot more optimistic than I am. It, it's easy to just kind of get onto that negativity train. Certainly, be cool to see Arch Manning in a, uh, in a Giants jersey though. I'd I'd be down for that. The the one wish I have is that regardless of where we draft this year, regardless of who we take, stop drafting wide receivers in the second and third round. None of them work. None of them have. It, it's just a waste of a pick. You know what I mean? We every year we take some random ass dude. Wandale, Jalen Hyatt, um, uh, Hyatt, Hyatt, I, Hyatt, I think can turn into something. He could. Um, I Kadarius just Slayton, Kadarius Tony, like those are all within the last four years. And what have we gotten out of any of them? Not much. Um, I'll agree with you on that, but I feel like it's the selection of the pick, like the players we're drafting. I think are the issue. I yeah. don't think drafting a second or a third round pick on a receiver is a bad issue. Um, there was guys that I wanted the Giants to draft that receiver, um, and they just didn't do it. Um, I think this year, I I hope they do it. I want to move Evan Neal to guard this year and figure out right tackle. Joe Alt, offensive tackle from Notre Dame, that's a guy I would look at in this draft. If you trade a Darren Waller, maybe you look at Brock Bowers. If Marvin Harrison falls, those, those are the three guys that I'm looking at. If you're talking quarterback, I would honestly, there's not a quarterback I love for the New York Giants, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think either JJ McCarthy from Michigan. I'm not a Michigan guy, but I can kind of see it. Quinn Ewers, I can kind of see it. I'm a Drake May guy. I can kind of see it, but he's just not mobile enough, like I mentioned earlier. Like, I feel like there's 
And defense. I think this defense needs major improvement. Wink, wake up. I need you, Coach Wink. Come on now. Come on yeah. now. I need you. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing for the Giants at the end of the day. That's a, that's a very fair assessment. I, I agree. The defense needs to be solved. All right, guys, and that's all the time we have you for today on episode 54 of Derek's Discussions with Tom. Any last words for listeners out there? Uh, I don't have much else to add. Thanks for having me, Derek. Uh, 